Last week, we began a new collection called Essentials. And what we're talking about in this season is in our lives of faith, what are the things that we cannot do without? What is essential to our spiritual journeys with God? And in this season, we're focusing on the theme of prayer. And last week, we talked about how prayer is wasting time with God, that we lay down our agendas, we lay down our results-oriented, goal-producing hearts, and we say, God, I want to just come before you and waste time with you, that the goal of this time isn't to get something out of it, but it's simply for communion, that I want to fellowship with the living God. And so we're going to continue that this week as we dive deeper into the topic of prayer. But before we begin... Just by virtual show hands, how many of you feel or have ever felt, man, I'm trying to waste time with God. I'm trying to pursue him in prayer, but it feels like my prayers are getting so dull and so repetitive. Or how many of you have ever felt like, man, my prayer life feels boring. I feel like it should be exciting. I feel like I should be into it, but it just feels boring. Or how many of you have ever felt like I'm praying, but it just feels like I'm saying the same things over and over and over again. And it's like everything that I'm saying, everything that I'm repeating has somehow lost its meaning. Well, I've definitely felt all of those. And even this week as I pursued God in prayer, I had some of these thoughts. And I find that sometimes in our prayer lives, it feels like we're saying the same old things in the same old ways again and again and again. And I realize it's because it's all we know. And I find that oftentimes in our prayer lives, it feels like our words fail us, like Like, have you ever been in prayer and you've run out of things to say? Come on, how many of you have ever been in a conversation with someone or out with someone and you guys are trying to hit it off, trying to have a good time, but you just run out of things to talk about? It's one of the most awkward situations to be in. I can recall a time in college where I was taking someone out and we were trying to have a conversation. For some reason, it was just hitting a wall and it got so desperate that there was awkward, awkward moments of silence. And I found myself asking, being so desperate because we're both Christians. So who's your favorite character in the Bible? And, and I find that sometimes in our conversations with God, it's like we're running out of things to say. We run out of words. Our words fail us. And I find that we simply lack the language of prayer. But I believe that there is a language of prayer that is supposed to be life-giving instead of life-draining, new and fresh instead of dull and boring. So to that end, today, we're going to dive deeper into a method of praying that I believe will strengthen our prayer lives, that will infuse new life, new breath, freshness into our prayer lives. And what it is, is we're going to be talking about what it means to pray the scriptures. Why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. Spirit of revelation and truth, we invite you to open up our hearts, open up our eyes, to see the beauty of your word, and to see how it is meant to come into our prayer lives. And so, God, would you strengthen our prayer lives? God, would you take us away from the season where prayer was dull and boring and repetitive? But, God, would you awaken a new sense of wonder, a new sense of excitement for this thing called prayer? We love you. We honor you. We welcome you. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray, we say, amen. Now, growing up, it's, it's just known if you grew up in a church 
that good Christians do two things. They read the Bible and they pray. But I think from a young age, we know those two things are important, but we don't really see how they interact together. We don't see how they're supposed to relate to one another or how they go in tandem. But we find that there's actually a strong connection. There's always been between the word of God, scripture and prayer. And so when we look at the spiritual discipline of praying scripture, it's pretty much this. It's the practice of adopting God's words to inform and shape our own prayers. And so we read the word of God, we we use it, and we bring it into our prayer lives to help shape and inform our own prayers to God. And we see that the early church, they, they developed the practice and the habit of praying back to God the very words that God had given them. And there's something so powerful about praying back to God the very words that he's given us. And especially when our own words fail, when we run out of words to say, this is such a powerful way of connecting to the divine in prayer. And so we find that the Bible is actually conversation material for our prayer lives. It's what makes prayer enjoyable, easy, and fun. E.M. Bounds, one of the the, uh, greatest voices on prayer in our generation, he says this, The word of God is the food by which prayer is nourished and made strong. In other words, he's saying, do you feel like your prayer life is weak? Do you feel like it's on its last limb? Do you feel like it's not going anywhere? Then it's life draining and saying, you want to strengthen your prayer life? You got to infuse the word of God because it becomes the substance that makes our prayer lives strong. In other words, it's what gives us confidence when we pray. That's why 1 John 5, 14 through 15 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything, According to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The author is saying this is the confidence, not just that we pray and believe aimlessly, but he's saying this is the confidence that we know we are praying according to his will. Now, many of you have heard this story before, but growing up, um, how many only children in the house, first of all? Shout out to Jasmine, anyone else. But growing up as the only child that's often lonely, um, every birthday, I would ask my parents, Dad, Mom, can you please birth me another human being to be my little brother or my little sister? Every birthday, I would ask, and I would cry, and I would beg. And my parents just laughed and shrugged it off. Little did they know that my my heart was being torn in 3,000 pieces. But nonetheless, I I remember always asking my parents, I wanted a sibling. I I saw that it wasn't happening. So one birthday, I asked my dad, Dad, can you just get me a new dog? I just want a dog. I want a puppy. I want something I could just love and pour my affection on. I remember my dad promised me, I'll get you a dog. And from that moment on, every time that I approached my dad, and asked him questions like, Dad, when's the puppy coming? Are you still going to get the dog? Can you please get the dog? When's it going to be? I would approach with such confidence because I would remember the promise that he gave me, I will get you a dog. And so when I approached him, it wasn't second-guessing or haphazardly. I knew that my dad would deliver on his promise. And so when I approached him, it was confidently I was asking him because he had already willed and purposed that he would get me a dog. 
And in the same way, when we align ourselves to God's will, when we discover what God's will is for our lives and for our world, we can approach God with this greater level of confidence that I'm not just praying my own desires or my own wills, but I'm praying in alignment with what you have already willed and purposed for me. And so I find that those who pray confident, faith-filled prayers aren't just those who are naturally full of faith. Those who pray confident, faith-filled prayers are those who are confident because they know that their prayers align to the will of the Father. And how do they know what the will of the Father is? They find it in Scripture. And so this is the confidence that our prayer lives needs to be strengthened when we pray God's words. Donald Whitney, he says, so basically what you are doing is taking words that originated in the heart and mind of God and circulating them through your heart and mind back to God. By this means, his words become the wings of your prayers. And so we take the word of God and it permeates through our minds and our hearts and we utter them back to God and they become the wings that lift our prayers to new heights. If we look at the Bible, it's actually, if you think about it, it's one big prayer book. You know, last, last series, we talked about Jesus and the seven last sayings from the cross. And we learned that in Matthew 27, 46, if you remember Jesus hanging there on the cross, he prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And you know, that wasn't just his prayer. He was actually praying scripture. He was praying Psalm 22. If we look at Luke 23, 46, Jesus is hanging there. Another utterance, he says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. These were not just words that Jesus made up. Jesus was praying scripture back to the father. He was actually praying Psalm 31. And even if we look at the history of the early church in Acts, in Acts 4, 25 through 26, it's recorded, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They weren't just praying empty prayers. They were praying Psalm 4. And so we see there's a history of some of the most important figures of scripture praying scripture. And so we see that in the pages of scripture, God has infused every intensity of human emotion. Let me ask you a question. You ever try to pray, but it feels like the words that you're, you're saying, the words that you're lifting up, just don't do justice in expressing what you're really experiencing? It's like your soul's groaning to express through words something, but it's just unable to. And it seems like your words are failing you. Have you ever felt like that? Like you walked away from a session of prayer and saying, that just wasn't it. Like those words just did not match every, every facet of what my soul was experiencing. But on the flip side, have you ever read something or watched something and as you're watching, something inside of you lights up. You're saying, yes, that's exactly how I'm feeling. That's exactly what I could not put words to. That's exactly what my soul is experiencing. 
Many of you know it's no secret. One of my favorite movies is Disney's Tangled. And in college, I went to go see it at the movie theater by myself, maybe because I was embarrassed to go want to watch it. But I remember going to the theater, only parents and their little children there. And I was just sitting there by myself. They're all looking at me like, what's this grown adult doing here? We're watching Tangled and we're watching this movie about this young princess Rapunzel. And as I'm watching, I make a startling discovery that, oh my God, I am her. I'm Rapunzel. And as I'm watching her story unfold, I see my own story. I see my own pain. I see my own anguish. I see my own experiences and everything she's going through. And I'm weeping. I'm bawling. And everyone's looking at me. Kids are staring at me like, why is this grown man in this theater crying with us? But I don't care because I'm watching something and it's expressing something that my soul always longed to express but could not find the words, could not find the expression. But I'm watching this. And I'm watching this young princess who has no idea that she's royalty. Her identity is hid from her. She's locked in a tower, made to be afraid of the world, not knowing that she is the daughter of the king. And I'm seeing myself in this young, long, blonde-haired princess saying, that's me, that I've been hidden away from my identity. I had no idea that I was royalty growing up. I had no idea that I was not supposed to be afraid of the world. I had no idea that I'm the son of a king, that I am a prince in his kingdom and what happens the father puts up lights every year lanterns in the sky hoping that one day his daughter would see those lanterns and realize and remember who she was and come back to the kingdom and I realized throughout my whole life God had been putting up lanterns putting up signs to draw me back to his heart to draw me back to my identity and as I'm watching this I'm seeing my story something that I'd never been able to articulate But finally, I was able to put my finger on it. See, this is what scripture does. When we look at scripture, we see every intensity of human emotion, things that our souls had been longing to express. But when we read it, all of a sudden we say, yes, that's exactly the language to my soul that I've been longing to express. Everything we've experienced or ever will experience is in some way expressed in the pages of scripture. Have you ever read a Bible verse and you felt that exact same way? You read that, said, this is exactly what I'm feeling. This is exactly what I'm going through. This is exactly the language of my soul. And this is no clearer than if we look at the book of Psalms. In fact, John Calvin, he calls the Psalms the anatomy of the human soul. And if you stole, if you, even if you go back to David and you plucked him from his life, the Psalms are pretty much David's Moleskine journal. When David would be in the fields and he'd be writing his prayers to God, when David was king and going through turmoil and writing his prayers to God, basically the Psalms is David's prayer book. And so we see that the Psalms are very significant in our journey of praying scripture with God. One, um, one book that I've been reading is by Ben Patterson, who has great insight into praying scripture, specifically the Psalms. And he says this, the Psalms are God's prayer book and they teach us to talk to God in his own language. To be taught by the Bible to pray is to learn to want and feel what the Bible expresses. Those who have practiced this kind of prayer over time make a surprising discovery. As they learn to feel what the Psalms express, their hearts and desires are enlarged. 
He goes on to say the Psalms, as many have said, are a mirror. They will reveal you, yet they are much more. Read them, and they will read you. Pray them, and they will change you. In other words, not only do the scriptures and the Psalms specifically, not only do they express the language of our soul, but also as we begin to pray scripture, they not only reveal what's inside of us, but they begin transforming us. All of a sudden, our desires, our hearts, our minds are, are, are transformed into the likeness of the reality and the truth of scripture. They not only reveal us, but they change us. I remember one of my first interactions with my last pastor and mentor we sat in his office, and we had, were just starting to get to know each other. He asked me, Mickey, so what's God doing in this season of your life? And I had this really amazing spiritual answer lined up on deck. I said, you know, in this season, God's just taking me deeper into Scripture. And I just feel like this season, God wants me to die. You know, I didn't just say God. I said, God, God wants me to dissect Scripture. And I just want to draw everything that I can from it. And I remember he looked me dead in the eye, in very serious tone. He said, Mickey, when you dissect a living thing, it dies. You don't dissect scripture. You let scripture dissect you. Oh, and I remember being speechless and being blown back. And I was so owned in the best way. But it made me realize the truth that a lot of times we want to dissect scripture when the purpose of the word, it says it's like a double-edged sword. Scripture was always meant to dissect us. It was meant to slice away the, the untruths of our life, slice away the doubts, slice away the questions, and supposed to give us faith until only the things that God wants to remain in our souls remain. Ben Patterson also writes, prayer is more than a tool for self-expression, a means to get God to give us what we want. It is a means he uses to give us what he wants and to teach us to want what he wants. Holy scripture in general and the Psalms in particular teach us who God is and what he wants to give. We have to remember that prayer is not just about getting everything off of our hearts. Prayer is about getting everything that God wants for us into our hearts. Prayer isn't just cluing God into our reality. Prayer is, is adopting God's reality as our own. It's shifting our perspective. It's shifting ourselves to align to the truth of what his word says. He says this, Ben Patterson, when the members of a synagogue complained that the words of the liturgy did not express what they felt, Abraham Heschel, the great philosopher of religion, replied wisely and very biblically. He told them the liturgy or the service wasn't supposed to express what they felt. They were supposed to feel what the liturgy expressed. To be taught by the Bible to pray is to learn to want and feel what the Bible expresses. To say what it means and mean what it says. In other words, when we pray scripture, we're not just saying, God, give me the language, language through your word to express what I'm experiencing. But when we pray scripture, it's an invitation for God to come and change what we're feeling to what he wants. To say, I'm going to change what I'm feeling and align what's going on inside of here to the truth 
of your word. And we find that praying is not really about changing God's mind. It's about changing ours. And more than prayer transforming everything around us, first, it was always meant to transform everything within us. And so God's word not only influences our prayers, but it it changes our perspectives. We begin seeing things the way that he sees them. Now, have you ever sat through a worship service and, you know, they're singing all these songs about joy. Come on, let's dance in the Lord. Let's celebrate. But you walk in that day and celebrating is the last thing that you want to do. You're down in the dumps. I remember going to a particular worship service and they were singing that house fire songs. You give me joy down deep in my soul. And it was like a hill song, young and free day. It was a house fires day. They were singing songs about joy. And if you've ever been a charismatic gathering, they repeat songs, an un- godly amount of times and so we're singing you give me joy we finish singing it pastor's like run it back you give me we sang it for like 20 minutes you give me joy and i'm sitting there the entire time saying you give me joy you give me joy i don't want joy right now i'm in the dumps i'm down in the darkness can you give me something more moody or angsty give me some hillsong united or some united pursuit for crying out loud i cannot sing this anymore and i remember praying to god god i don't feel like i want joy right now right Right now, I feel like I'm suffering. Right now, I feel like I'm in the darkness. And I remember having this profound moment with God. And I remember sitting there and I heard God say, listen, Mickey, I want to sit with you in your pain. I want to sit with you in the darkness. I want to be with you where you're at. I said, yes, yes, Lord, United Pursuit, sing some moody songs. Yes. He says, yes, I want to sit with you. I want to be with you where you're at. But make no mistake, Mickey, worship isn't supposed to revolve around what you're feeling. It's supposed to align you with what I'm feeling. Ooh, and I remember getting blasted by God. It was so true that our worship service were never meant to express what we're feeling. They were meant to get us to feel what God is expressing in the truth of his word, in the truth of his scripture. And so we see that praying scripture aligns us to the heart of God. It's more than just finding ways to express what's inside of us. It's saying, God, come and transform the inside of me. God, come and shift my perspective until everything that I'm feeling is now aligned with what you're feeling with what you're seeing with what you're doing and so praying scripture does that but the question is this how how do we do this and so we're going to get really practical today and we're actually going to go through praying scripture together but essentially praying scripture is this to pray the bible you simply go through a passage line by line and you talk to god whenever you feel a prompt from the spirit to stop after a line or something speaks to you you stop and talk to god about whatever comes to your mind as you read the text and so if we were to take a chapter of the psalm we would go through it line by line and then if we read something that prompted us to say something back to god or pray we would stop we would pray and then we go back line by line until we've gone through the entire scripture Now, I want to consult Mike Bickle from International House of Prayer. He actually has this great insight into praying scripture. And so I want to share with you very briefly about some of his insights about what it go, what goes into praying scripture today. And so Mike Bickle, he says breaking, he kind of breaks praying scripture down into two categories. When we're reading scripture to pray, there's two things that we encounter. The first is this promises to believe. 
And the second thing is this, exhortations to obey. In other words, as we're reading scripture, we'll come across verses that give us promises to believe, or we'll come across verses that give us exhortations to obey. And so as we're praying scripture, we keep these two categories in mind. So first of all, what are promises to believe? Scripture gives us declarations of God's promises over us. God loves us. God will never leave us. God will never forsake us. God will provide for us. God will protect us. God loves us with all of his heart. All those are promises from God. And so as we're reading through scripture and praying through scripture, we'll come across promises to believe. And when we come across those promises, there are two ways that we can pray in response to a promise that we read. The first is this, when we come across the promise, we thank God for that promise. Let's look at an example. Isaiah 40 verse 31. Here's a promise in scripture. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And so maybe we'll read this passage and we'll pause for a second and in response we'll say, thank you God for renewing my strength. Thank you for giving me strength to do everything that I need to do today. Thank you that I will not grow faint or weary. Thank you for sustaining me. So we thank God for the promises. But the second way that we can respond in prayer to the promises God gives us is we can ask God to show us more. And so let's take a look at, for example, Psalm 9.9. It says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Maybe we'll stop there, and instead of thanking God, we'll say, God, would you show me more? Show me how you're my refuge in this season. Reveal to me what you're doing right now in my time of trouble as feeling oppressed or feeling like darkness is overtaking me. What are you doing right now in my time of trouble? How are you my refuge? God, show me more. I remember when um, in the past I was reading a passage, um, I believe it was from John 1, 5. It says something like the light shines in the darkness and the darkness will never overcome it or has not overcome it. And I remember reading that and saying, God, um, I know what this verse means. I know light, good, dark, bad, but God, would you show me more about this? And as I'm praying, I paused. Yes. And the image, the first image that I saw was that epic scene from Lord of the Rings when the army of darkness was, they were riding and there were these flying beasts, they're coming against the city and Gandalf on his bright white horse goes ahead of the pack, holds up his staff and light radiates from his staff and it shines on all the dark forces and they start retreating. All the flying beasts are starting to, to, to fall back and the light was literally driving out the darkness. And I remember seeing that image and understanding so much more, you know what? When there, when light is there, darkness literally cannot remain. If you light up a dark room, no matter how much darkness there is, the light will start to drive out that darkness. And he was telling me, Mickey, any darkness in your life, my light is there. And darkness has no choice but to flee. And I remember during that time, I was experiencing some, what I felt like demonic attacks. And I, and, and I remember praying this verse in a new way because of the revelation that God had given me. And so when we come across promises to believe, we can respond by thanking God or asking God to show us more. But the second type of verses that we come across are exhortations to obey. 
What are exhortations to obey? They're scriptures that challenge us to obey the commands of God. And so serve others. Be generous with your time and your money. Watch your tongue. Bless those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And so when we come across exhortations to obey, there are also two ways that we can respond in prayer. The first is this. Commit to obey. And so let's take a look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, the greatest commandment. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And so maybe we'll come across this exhortation to obey as we're praying scripture. We'll pause and we'll commit to obeying the scripture. And so maybe you'll stop and say, God, I commit myself. I set my heart to love you with all my heart, soul, and mind. I commit to love you with everything that I have. I set my heart to give you all of me and not just pieces of me. And so when we come across exhortations to obey, we can respond by committing to obey. But the second way that we can pray is this, ask God to empower us to obey. So let's look at that next verse. Love your neighbor as yourself, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. Maybe we'll pause and instead of just committing, will say, God, it's really hard for me to love my neighbor as myself right now because my neighbor be wiling out. So God, would you give me the grace? Would you empower me to obey? Give me strength to love my family. Give me grace to love my community. Give me and empower me. God, empower me to love my neighbor as myself. And so we find these two ways that we can respond to exhortations to obey. We commit to obey. And secondly, we ask God to empower us to obey. And so we go through scripture verse by verse and we keep going until a verse or phrase prompts us to pray. Whether it's a promise to believe or an exhortation to obey. And we pause and we respond in prayer. And so this is the challenge that I have for all of us this week. This week, let's practice praying through the scriptures. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to send out um, basically a giant master list of different prayer topics. There's like anxiety, there's fear, um, there's fervor, anything that you could think of. There's different topics of prayer. And along those topics are corresponding psalms that you can pray through scripture. And so, for example, maybe anxiety, you'll say Psalm 4 or Psalm 12. I'm not sure if that's right, but we'll see that list. And every day, we want you to choose one scripture, one entire chapter of psalms. And they're not that long, unless you get Psalm, the really long one. They're not that long. And so choose a psalm every single day, and I want you to pray through the scripture. And I want you to keep reading and praying out loud until you come across a scripture that prompts you to pray, whether it's a promise to believe or an exhortation to obey. And then we want you to respond. And so every day we want you to pray through one psalm corresponding to whatever topic that you want to go through. Or maybe you just want to start from the beginning, go through Psalm 1, go all the way through. It's up to you. But every day we want to practice praying scripture together. And so to conclude our time, um, I actually want to conclude by praying scripture together. And so today I want us to look, I was praying, God, what, what Psalms you want us to go through as we, as we close up our time of service. And I just felt like Psalm 27 was burning on God's heart. And so we're going to pray through Psalm 27 together. And so will you join me in prayer right now as we're reading through this Psalm? And let's invite Holy Spirit right now to help us pray through scripture and infuse wings and life, new life into our prayer lives. Let's pray. Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. 
Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God, we thank you for being our light and our salvation. God, we thank you for being the stronghold of our lives. And God, we declare with many things to be afraid of right now that we have no reason to fear. God, that you are the light in our darkness. And so we will not fear the darkness. We will not fear anything that comes against us. When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. God, right now it feels like everything is waging war against us, that the forces of darkness are waging war against us, that death is waging war against us. But we thank you that our enemies, that our foe, that the forces of evil and darkness will not advance against us, but they will stumble and fall. And God, we declare that even though we are being bombarded on every side with lies from the enemy, with death, with bad news, with hopelessness, that God, our hearts will not fear. And so would you empower us to be confident in the God who does not leave us to be overcome by his enemies, but a God who rescues us and who fights for us, who is our salvation. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. God, We commit ourselves this week to making you the one thing, to seeking you with all of our hearts, to dwelling in your house. We declare that your house is the safest place, the place full of peace and full of joy. It is the safe and the stronghold, God, away from the darkness of this world. And so this week, would we gaze upon your beauty? We commit ourselves to making you the most important thing of our lives, the one thing. Empower us to gaze on the beauty of God and to seek you like we never have before. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his sacred tent and set me high upon a rock. God, would you set us high upon your rock in this time of trouble? I just, I just keep getting this image of that scene from Harry Potter when Dumbledore takes Harry to hunt down a Horcrux and they're in that cavern and all these demonic-like creatures are trying to crawl their way to them but they get higher and higher upon that rock and finally they cast a spell that casts all of them away. And I just see God setting us high upon a rock outside the reach of the enemy, outside the reach of the darkness that encroaches upon us. And I hear God saying, for in the day of trouble, he will keep us safe. And so God, we believe your promises and we thank you that you are setting us high upon your rock. I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. God, we commit ourselves to seeing your goodness in the land of the living. Would you empower us to be confident that everything, even the things that were meant for our destruction and death, are now transformed for our benefit and for our good. And God, this week we commit to waiting on you. 
to become strong and take heart while we wait on you, to not force anything, to not strive in our own earthly flesh, but to wait on the provision, on the breakthrough, on the salvation, on the light of our Lord. And so God, Psalm 27, we pray this as a prayer unto you. Would you first and foremost align our hearts to the truth of your word? As you give us promises to believe, we thank you. Would you continue to reveal in increasing measure revelations of your promises, but at the same time, God, God, these exhortations to obey, God, we commit ourselves to making you our one thing. We commit ourselves to seeking you in prayer in new and fresh ways. We love you. We honor you. We thank you for meeting with us here. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, we say, amen.